Praise God. Whoa. (laughs) Why don't we stand and begin to praise the Lord and come together in him. In Jesus' name, we love you, Father. We love you, Father. We love you, Father. Hallelujah. 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 Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I praise you, Father. I love you, Father. I glorify you tonight, Father. We give you the praise and the worship, the honor, the glory that you are worthy of. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Tiba Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Masukohutikihekalaratata. Die Kalorota Laratata Tahai Eleredi. Die Kalorata Hai Eleratoloroto Bocosi. Yela Bahai Eleratelerity Kaloroto Loroto Bocosha Tahai. Yela Bocosi Kie Kalorata Tahai. Hallelujah. Ye. Amamahaya, Mamahasahaya. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Ikahabahasatatatabahaya. Ilaborotolororobokuratatatabahaya. Tielorobokushasahaya. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. 
praise God, praise God, praise God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God, praise God. You may be seated. God bless you. Hallelujah. Uh, I have discerned <laughs> that uh, some of you have brought guests tonight. And uh, if you're a guest here, you're certainly welcome to be here. We're glad you're here. I just pray, in fact, I'm about to pray for you, that the grace of God and the Spirit of God will protect you tonight from being so freaked out <laughs> over what may happen in this service that you decide we're all crazy and never come back. We are participating in some spiritual things here tonight that have very solid biblical basis. The Bible says the natural mind, the natural man, does not receive the things of the Spirit of God because they're foolishness to him. And there's no question to me at all that if you have never been around what's about to happen tonight, you very well may think this is foolishness. And so therefore I pray that you uh, will give God and this church a chance uh, so that you will find out this is, not only is it uh, biblical and sound and sane, but that it is powerful and beneficial to you. And so... Uh, why don't we why don't we do that right now i i I'm not trying to be weird I'm very concerned because I know where this is going and tonight will be more demonstration than it is teaching and it would be very easy for someone that's never been exposed to this to absolutely be so completely turned off that they would never get saved. I'm that concerned. So why don't you join with me in prayer and let's pray for every person here who's a guest that the grace of God would help them and, and not allow them to be so offended or misunderstand what is happening here tonight that their salvation won't be in jeopardy. Can we pray that? Father, we commit each individual in this place tonight that may have some other faith or concept 
different than what we believe and what we practice. I pray your protection upon them in Jesus' name that they not be offended by anything that's done or said here tonight and that you would be able to touch them by your spirit and love to the point that they can, ex- they can, they can experience the reality of your presence in this place tonight. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. You're the Savior. You love every one of us. And we trust you tonight. And we commit them into your hands. In Jesus' name. And now that I've said that and we've prayed that, I am telling you, I will not be holding back. Praise God. I understand that our brothers and sisters from China are going to have to leave tomorrow. I hope to greet you tonight and meet you personally before you leave. It's been a privilege to be a part of uh, this meeting and have you here. Thank you for being here. Praise God. Praise God. And of course, we're thrilled for everybody that's here. Uh, Malaysia, Indonesia, Philippines, any place else that you've come for this meeting, uh, United States, (laughs) Bangladesh, United States. Hallelujah. Of course, Brother Corbin did not come from, nor is he going to Bangladesh on this trip. He was home, came for this meeting. He's going back. He was in the States, came for this meeting. He's going back to the States on Saturday. And then he's coming, turning around and coming back in a few days. So, oh, God, help him. Because that is a killer trip. 30 hours of travel. One way. Is that about what your ticket is? About 30 hours? No, I'm not talking about flying time. Trip to the airport, waiting. I count all that. The time it, you, From the time you leave where you're, at, you're staying till the time you get to the next place you're staying, that's how I count travel time. Two days coming. Okay. Well, mine was 30 hours, so <sighs> praise God. Hallelujah. I, uh, <laughs> we, we have taught these last few days on uh, prayer, and much of it... <clears throat> I don't drink this because I like soda. When I when I minister, especially in these seminars, I drink either Sprite or Seven Up because they have lemon and lime in them, and the citrus uh, citric acid in the drink helps keep my vocal cords clear of phlegm, so it helps preserve my voice. So I'm not sipping this because I'm thirsty. I do that when I 
sense that my I'm getting raspier. So, and I'm going to probably work on a second can tonight. Fair warning. Whoever has ears to hear needs to be ready for that. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise. It works. How about that? <laughs> we, we've, we've talked a lot about prayer because prayer is the most significant spiritual activity that we can participate in. And I've said it many times. Uh, we can have church without praying. But we can't have God without praying. I was, uh, <clears throat> there was a, I was a young pastor and there was a, an older, well-respected pastor in our city. And, and I'm going to use the name of his church because it's fact. And I'm quoting him and not making a judgment. He was a pastor of a church of the Nazarene in our city. And a few members of his church had received the baptism of the Holy Ghost and spoke in tongues. Well, the church of the Nazarene does not believe that speaking in tongues is of God. This, this pastor was, a, was both a Greek and Hebrew scholar. And so rather than just simply reject these people and their experience, he decided to do a word-by-word -word study of the book of Acts in the Greek. And by the time he concluded his, his study, he came to the understanding that not only was speaking in tongues biblical, but it was also for us today. And he began to desire to receive the Holy Ghost and speak in tongues himself. His church board didn't know about this. So they called him in and said, Pastor, we have, you know, we have people in this church that speak in tongues. Yes, I do. Well, you know, the church of the Nazarene has taken a stand against speaking in tongues. Yes, I do. Well, we want you to tell them to leave. And he explained to them that he had done a, a word by word study in the Greek text and came to the conclusion that speaking in tongues is not only real, it's biblical and it is for us today. And they said, if you're not going to tell them to leave, you can leave with them. And so this very beloved pastor that had been over this church for like 25 years resigned and left and started a church that believed in speaking in tongues in our city. And I, the Lord, I was praying one morning and the Lord spoke, me, spoke to me and told me to go to his house and just talk to him. And he, he told me this story. He said, even before I did the study, in the Greek on the spe of speaking in tongues. He said, I was already disturbed. He said, because I would sit and watch our services till it was my time to preach. And I came the, to the conclusion that if God came back in the rapture and left, our church services wouldn't change at all.
that we did not need God to have church. We did not depend on God to have church. In fact, our church services had no God relationship at all. These were his words. So you can have church without God, but you can't have God without prayer. And so we've talked about prayer. We, we haven't talked about prayer in the traditional context. In other words, prayer is not a religious ex- exercise or activity. Prayer is not some religious obligation to get done. And there is no such thing biblically as a daily prayer time. I don't know how much of an impact this has had on Singapore or your nation. But growing up in the church, I remember back in the 60s and 70s, some very sincere men of God who were so concerned about the lack of prayerlessness in the church that they began to preach and teach that we should pray an hour every day. What they meant for good became evil. Because people began to believe that that's all they had to pray was an hour. But Jesus said in the Garden of Gethsemane, What? Could you not watch with me one hour so that you could overcome temptation? In other words, an hour a day of prayer is barely enough just to keep you saved. It's sure not going to accomplish anything for the kingdom. So biblically there is no such, well that is not true. Biblically there is a prayer time. It starts when you get up and it ends when you finally go to sleep. And that's your prayer time. Because the Bible says, pray without ceasing. But of course, if we look at prayer as a religious exercise where we get down on our knees and fold our hands piously and begin to speak in some kind of pious voice or we repeat some prayers out of a book or we repeat prayers based on a bead in a string of beads then it's not prayer at all. It's a religious exercise and obligation. And we don't expect any response from God. We're just putting in our time and paying our dues. For some people, prayer is like uh, paying the premiums on a on an eternal life insurance policy. You just get up every day and make a payment. And hopefully when you need to cash in, the policy and get eternal life, you've paid enough premiums to make it. Every religion in this world has the same essential doctrine. I don't care what the name of the religion is, it's the same doctrine, including Christianity when practiced as a religion. If you do more good, then bad, you'll be saved. If you do more bad than good, you're lost or damned or condemned. 
Every religion essentially teaches that same doctrine. Well, I'm here to tell you, the, the faith of the Bible doesn't teach anything remotely close than that. The Bible says, there's none good, no, not one. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That every one of us needs a Savior. And here in a couple of weeks, we're going to celebrate a holiday that's called Easter. You know what? Every person that takes a day off from work because of that holiday becomes accountable for the fact that a man hung on a cross one day to save people because they cannot save themselves. And if you don't want to believe that, don't take the day off. If you claim to not believe that, then you're a hypocrite to take the day off. I just, just saying, you know. I mean, it's like people that don't believe in Jesus that takes the Christmas holiday off. If I was a person that didn't believe in Jesus, my conscience wouldn't let me take a holiday from work. I would insist to my boss I had to work because I didn't believe in Jesus. Because everybody that benefits from that holiday and doesn't believe in him is a hypocrite. Hi. You okay? <laughs> <laughs> Hallelujah. It's like people now, they want to tell you, happy holidays. I like to say back to them, Merry Christmas. Because they want to say happy holidays so they can deny. Okay, so if you pretend that December the 25th is not Christmas Day, which is traditionally celebrated as his birthday, I'm not saying that's fact or not. The Bible doesn't say what day he was born. What, what are we doing with that? Okay? So anyway, we've talked about a lot of stuff. We've talked about a lot of prayer. We've talked about different ways to pray. But tonight we're going to tell you why all of that really doesn't work when it's done by itself. Praise God. So, here we go. Prayer is spirit-led. True prayer is spirit-led, spirit-empowered times of fellowship and ministry that flows through us throughout the day, consciously and subconsciously, if we allow it. I'm going to read that. I'm going to read that again. True prayer is spirit-led, spirit-empowered times of fellowship and ministry that flows through us throughout the day, consciously and subconsciously, if we allow it. Praise God. Praise God. In, uh, I've said it a couple of times. I want to kind of demonstrate a little bit. So, uh, I've never done this before, but I, I feel kind to, 
I feel to do it. I talked about rather than having a prayer time. The scripture says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these things will be added unto you. And the word first there is first not only in, in order of priority, but first in order of time. The first thing I should do when I get up in the morning is pray. I don't know. You may be a whole lot better Christian than me. But if I don't pray first thing, half the day's gone before I get around to it. And if I don't pray first thing, I find that the prayer I do pray later on the day is rushed and it's not near as effective. So the scripture talks about starting our, our prayer together with the Lord first thing in the morning. The scripture says his mercy is new every morning. So, I call that early morning prayer, whatever time that is, for you when you get up. I call that, for me, I call it positioning prayer. I want to let the Lord help me to position myself in Him so that I am now able to pray and Him pray through me For the rest of the day. So again I've never done this before. But I just I really felt like demonstrating this a little bit. So so here's here's kind of basically. Just basically. uh, How the the high points of things that I have. from, From my study of the word of God. These are things I feel are important for me. Points to hit in prayer every morning. So I start out basically like this. Father, I love you and I thank you. And I give you praise today for all you've done. I give you, I I thank you for life. I thank you for health. I thank you for strength. I thank you for all your goodness and mercy to me. All your kindness, your long suffering. I thank you for loving me. I thank you for all the times you've forgiven me. I give you honor and glory for today. I thank you that you've given this day that I could give back to you to do your will, your plan, your purpose today. I give it to you today, Father. So that's that. however long that goes Sometimes it's that long, sometimes it's longer, however long that goes. That is my prayer and praise, and I'm honoring and giving thanks to him. And then I go into this positioning part. As I taught the other day, when Paul said, uh, grace and peace be unto you to the churches, but then he said to Timothy twice and to Titus once, Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you. He is impart, it's an apostolic impartation of blessing and that which is needed to function this day. And so I, I will begin that part of the prayer. This is the positioning part 
in my mind. So I'm praying this way. Father, I confess you that you what you said is true. Without you, I can do nothing. So, Father, I receive grace, mercy, and peace from you today. Let your grace empower me to desire to do what pleases you and to desire to not do those things that please you. Let your grace today, Father, empower me to be able to do those things that please you and not do them. Without you, Father, I can do absolutely nothing. I need you today. I commit myself completely, wholly, fully to you today because I belong to you. You bought me. You paid the price for me. You gave yourself for me. And now, by your grace and your spirit, I give myself back to you. You I am yours this day. Do with me as you choose. In Jesus' name. Thank you for your mercy. I, I, I receive your mercy today. Because I cannot. I cannot walk in any way to please you without your mercy. And I receive it and thank you for it. And Father, I acknowledge that you are my Father and that you're over all things. And I receive your peace today. And in order to have your peace, Father, I cast all of my care upon you in Jesus' name. And at that point, anything that's in my mind specifically that is a care that's been, that's trying to get me to think about and dwell on I'll begin to cast that on you Father I cast Antioch on you today all of our ministry the promises you've made us all all of our finances the resources we need I cast the preachers the leaders the saints their homes their families I cast all of them upon you today Father I give them to you in Jesus name and I will go through that anything that is concerning me I speak it it specifically, I cast it on you. I release it on you today, Jesus. And I pray like that till I have absolute peace. I do not go farther until I have peace. And now after I have positioned, or the Holy Ghost has helped me to be positioned, then I will pray something along this line. Father, by the authority that has been imparted and delegated to me by this office of you, Jesus, being the bishop, resting upon this earthen vessel, I speak the covering of authority for protection and blessing upon. And then I will begin to name people and I will begin to name churches and preachers and situations that I speak a covering of authority over. And then, then once I've spoken that covering of authority, then I will pray this, and I pray this every day, sometimes short version, sometimes a very long version, with all the details I feel led to pray. Father, to every preacher and church and family and home, 
to under the covering of this authority to every backslider to every person that's ever been dedicated to you to every person that's ever been baptized in Jesus name and filled with the Holy Ghost that's not living for you today to every sinner and to every soul that is still in the spiritual womb who has some faith in you but has not been born yet I loose in the name of Jesus the name of Jesus to work in our lives and be sanctified in our lives I loose the kingdom of God and commanded to come in manifestation to us. I loose the, the, the will of God as it's already purposed in heaven to be done in our lives. And at that point, then I begin binding and loosing various things as I feel led to do so. And I will pray that until I feel that immediate prayer lift. Now, interspersed in all of that, will be prayer in the Spirit. And I don't force the prayer to be one or the other. I know there are things I have to pray in the language of my mind because out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaketh and I need to be able to speak my faith. Because when I am praying in tongues, I am not praying with my faith. I'm praying it was his faith. But I need sometimes to pray with my faith. So I will pray with my faith in my language. And I will pray with his faith in other tongues. And it will work back and forth and flows. I don't try to force it one way or the other. I don't say, well, I'm talking in English too much. Or I'm talking in tongues too much. Some days I pray, may pray mostly in English in that positioning prayer. Some days I may pray mostly in tongues. And I don't try to force it one way or the other. Why? Here's why. Romans chapter 8, verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. We all have a common inability. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. The Bible in basic English translation puts it this way. And for those that are interpreting, I will try to read it slowly enough that you can stay up with it. And in the same way, the Spirit is a help to our feeble hearts. For we are not able to make prayer to God in the right way. But the Spirit... Puts our desires into words which we are not, which are not in our power to say. We are not able to pray. We have this infirmity. We, we know not what to pray for as we ought. The Greek word translated ought there means it is necessary or the need. What does that mean? What does that mean? I'm facing a situation 
The situation disturbs me. I, I want to pray about that situation to God. What do I pray? Well, the way I used to pray was I'd tell God what I wanted him to do, how I wanted him to do it, when I wanted him to do it. But I've come to understand what that prayer does is limit God. It limits God. Because his ways are above our ways. And his thoughts are above our thoughts. As far as the heaven is above the earth. And what does that mean? That means he's got ways of doing things you're not going to think about. And they're better than your ways. So how do I pray for that? And how do I ask for that? How does that happen? I don't know how to do that. And I need to pray. I need to pray for that. I can't just say, well, Lord, something needs to be done here and I don't have a clue what it is. So there I prayed for it. No. There's no faith in that. So how do I pray in faith for a situation when I don't know what to ask for? How do I pray? Well, according to the Bible in basic English translation, which I believe is very accurate in both the the Greek and the intent of what the Holy Ghost is trying to say here, the Spirit itself puts our desires into words which we're not, which are not in our power to say. So I feel things here that my mind doesn't understand and doesn't know how to express. So how do I, don't look at me like you don't know what I'm talking about. Every one of us has had situations regularly where we're feeling something and what's, what's wrong? I don't know. Something's wrong. Something, yeah, something doesn't feel right. Something's wrong. And we're reluctant to say that because it sounds stupid. It's not stupid. It's spiritual. Because we all know stuff on a deeper level than our minds can understand and comprehend. Because we sense things. God lets us sense and know things down in here. And our brain doesn't get it. How do I pray for this? How do I minister to this? How do I give this to God when I don't, can't even explain what I'm feeling? Well, it's pretty simple. It's been... 35 years now. Our youngest son was nine months old. And uh, he was born 10 pounds and one ounce. Oh, yeah. He was big and he's never slowed up. He's six foot six. He's been here. Some of you might remember him. His wife is six foot. I look her eyeball to eyeball. When the two of them come into a room, nobody misses them. Nobody misses seeing them. He's six six, she's six foot, and they are quiet and imposing looking couple. 
Well, he's big now and he was big then. I talked about that Sunday. I want to embarrass her again, how big she was carrying him. So anyway, so <laughs> he was nine months old. He was big. He was about 20-something pounds at nine months old. Literally, he was a big kid. Well, I'd been out that morning, and uh, I had some things to do, and I came home, and the house was empty. And this is before cell phones and voicemail and text messages and email. And so the house was empty, and I didn't know that my wife was going anywhere. She didn't say anything. But I, I got some things on my mind, and, and I'm not, it's not even registering what's happened in the house. I went looking through the house, and I went upstairs, and we had a little desk built into a wall, and it was a desk she used a lot, and, and there was a cup of coffee that was laid over, spilled on the blotter. And that's, I didn't, it didn't even register that it's not like her. She would not have left the house and left a cup of coffee Laying on its side with a wet blotter without trying to clean it up. I didn't even, wasn't even thinking. When I realized the house was empty, I thought to myself, well, I'm, I'm going to go downstairs and pray because I can pray. I'm not going to disturb anybody. I can pray all I need to pray. So I went downstairs and was praying and I was praying in tongues in the spirit. And in my mind, I'm praying in English to, about things and and sometimes what I'm praying in my mind what I'm talking in tongues is the same thing and sometimes it's not the same thing I don't know how I know the difference but I know the difference in this particular case I my mind's on some problems in the church difficulties I'm trying to deal with and 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 all of that but all of a sudden I kind of came to myself and realized that I was speaking in very heavy, powerful tongues. And it kind of shocked me. And the voice of the Lord said to me, don't stop me. I'm praying about something important. Well, guess what? My mind's not on anything else now. And I'm just letting the Spirit pray, and it's heavy. It's really heavy. And it went back like, uh, went about like 15, 20 minutes more. And all of a sudden it lifted. Just like that it lifted. And the voice of the Lord said to me, everything's gonna be alright. And I, I thought, I thought, everything what? What do you mean everything's gonna be alright? Everything, literally I, I said everything what? And within seconds after saying, Everything what? The phone rings. And I go to the phone. And at first I didn't know who it was. The person on the phone was so distraught. I I couldn't even understand what they were saying. And finally, I realized it was my wife. And she calmed down enough to tell me that she was with the, at the emergency room with the baby. And that he was severely burned. And she was telling me how bad it was burnt. He was burned. And immediately the Lord said, I said everything's going to be all right. And I immediately realized the Spirit had been praying for my son 
And I had no idea there was a problem. So about 30 minutes later, she comes home. He's got a bandage on this arm and a bandage from just below his groin all the way down the rest of his leg. And she said, the doctor says it's second and third degree burns and he may have to have skin grafts. They would have kept him in the hospital. But being nine months old, they felt like he would do better at home. She said, but they made me practically swear I wouldn't let these bandages get wet because they're afraid of infection. And of course, anytime you have severe burns, the worst complication you can get is infection. And so I told her the story about the prayer and what the Lord said. Well, this was on a Thursday. We had church on Thursday night. So we go to church and I tell the church what happened and about the prayer. And I said, I'm not asking you to ask the Lord to heal the baby. I'm asking you to just give thanks with me. Because the Lord said everything's going to be all right. So we did. We worshiped. We thanked God together. Well, we had to go to the doctor's office the next day, which was Friday, to have the bandages changed. So we get to the doctor, and she's so distraught, blaming herself, that she won't go back to the treatment room. The baby had not cried at all with severe burns. Till we got him in the doctor's office. And somehow he knew where we were. And started screaming his head off. Back to the treatment room. He's laying there looking up at me like, what are you letting them do to me? (laughs) Well, I got to be honest with you. I wasn't prepared for what I was about to see. The Lord said, everything's going to be all right. I thought, this is done. This is no big deal. They took the bandage off, and it looked like this arm had been flayed. It was raw. And then they took the bandage, he took the bandage off the leg, and the entire knee had no skin left. And the, from the ankle down around the rest of the foot, it was like the skin had all been uh, just stripped off. And on a baby's leg, remember this now, this is a baby's leg. From below the knee to to the ankle, there were two blisters the size of my fist on his leg. And the doctor pointed to me, for me, pointed to the wrist, to the knee, and the heel. And he said, Reverend, he said, I hate to say this to you, but it's, very, very likely we're going to have to do skin grafts in these three spots because this is third-degree burns. He pointed it to the two blisters and said, these are second-degree, and we don't know, really know what's going to happen when these, these blisters, uh, whether they pop or whatever. He said, so this was Friday. He said, we will know on Monday whether or not we're going to have to do skin grafts. Well, I got to be honest with you. I was just a little bit shaken up. The baby's still screaming. He's screaming so bad he is pouring sweat. And so he put the bandages back on his arm and leg, and we went home. And when we got home, 
I said to my wife, let me have this baby. And I took him upstairs to the room I normally prayed in. And I sat down in the rocking chair where I normally pray. And I held that baby in my arms. I said, now, Lord, I didn't even know what was going on. And on your own through me, you prayed for this baby. And you said, everything's going to be all right. Now, if you don't tell me what you meant by all right, I'm about to tell you what all right means to me. So you first, Lord, I'm serious. You first, Lord, here's your chance to tell me what all right means. Silence. I said, is that the way it's going to be? Okay, here goes. Here's what all right means to me. You said all right. You're not defining all right to me. Now I'm going to define to you what I believe all right means to me as the dad of this baby. No skin grafts and no scars. And again, I said, I didn't pray for this baby. Your spirit prayed through me for this baby when I didn't even know what I was praying for. And you said everything's going to be all right. And you're not telling me what all right means to you. This is what all right means to me. And so I'm expecting that you're going to heal this baby and there, we, there will be no need of skin grafts and no scars. That's Friday afternoon. Sunday, we went to church. Sunday morning and Sunday night both. I said to the church, we are not asking God to heal this baby. We are thanking God for his healing. We had to go back to the doctor on Monday to take the bandage, to change the bandages. Same thing. From the time we left the doctor's office on Monday, that baby had not cried in pain at all. Slept well, all of that. He actually started crawling on that bad knee. And my wife goes, oh, he's hurting that knee. I said, trust me, if crawling on that knee was hurting him, he'd stop. (laughs) I'm sure of that. Okay. So when we got back to that doctor's office on Monday and he realized where he was, he started screaming his head off. So we're in that, (laughs) we go in the treatment room. And... uh, After my experience on Friday, I wasn't really sure what I was going to see on Monday morning. That doctor took that bandage off his arm and his eyes got big. And I'm going, oh God, what's going on here? And he took this bandage off and his eyes got bigger. He said, what's happened to this baby? I, I said, I'm sorry. He said, what's happened to this baby? I didn't know he was fixing to call the police, have me arrested or something. I didn't know. I mean, he was, he was disturbed, honestly. And the look on his face, I didn't know if it was good or bad. I was assuming bad. He said, what's happened to this baby? I said, doctor, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. Nothing that I know of. He said, look at these wounds. They're almost completely healed. He said, 
Get this now. We were sworn to not touch those bandages or get them wet. Right? He said, I'm not even putting bandages back on these. It's so close to being completely healed. But he said, the problem is, this new skin is going to itch and babies have really sharp fingernails. So when you get home, take a sock and pull it up over that leg and put a loose band, uh, a rubber band around it just to hold the sock in place. Because we don't want him scarring this brand new skin with his fingernails. He has absolutely no scars at all on the knee, the leg, the foot. And he has a really small little oval scar here that you don't even notice until he gets a suntan. And the Lord left that just as a testimony. This is a true story. Now, the point is, How many things will the Lord pray through you for that you don't know what you're praying about and some things you don't ever have to know what you're praying about? The Lord could have you praying for a situation on the other side of the earth, a situation with one of his children or something going on. And if he could just find somebody to pray through, he could he could address that situation and minister to it. But if nobody's willing to pray, I'm going to share the verse from the other night one more time right here. Why is this so important? Ezekiel 22 verse 30. Ezekiel 22:30. I sought for a man among them. That should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land. That I should not destroy it. But I found none. Therefore, next verse. Therefore have I poured out mine indignation upon them. I have consumed them with the fire of my wrath. Their own way have I recompensed upon their head, saith the Lord. The Lord is saying that I would have showed mercy if I had... If someone could have obeyed my word and prayed, which would have given me the right to show mercy. Because their sin demands judgment. But if someone would stand for them in prayer to me, that would permit me to show mercy and I could still be God and not lie. Because my my holiness, my purity, my word, my truth demands judgment on sin. But that's not my choice. It's not my choice. You precious folks from China. How many billion plus people are, are there in China? And we say... Well, this is impossible. And with all the restrictions and difficulty, let me tell you what, they can restrict everything but your prayer. (sighs) They can't stop your prayer. No, no, no. They can't stop your prayer. Governments can't stop your prayer. Armies can't stop your prayer. And we learned from Paul the other day, prisons can't stop your prayer. 
And the devil would kill you if he could, but he doesn't have the right to kill you. So death can't stop your prayer. If we would just pray, if we would just let the Spirit pray through us. But the problem is this, because so much of our prayer, God is doing work that we don't see. We get discouraged because we need to see that what we're doing is accomplishing something. So we give up just as God's working. Why doesn't God let us see everything he does in prayer? Because we couldn't handle it. This stuff is called flesh. And flesh wants to take the credit and glory. And this, my soul can only handle through the grace of God, my flesh knowing so much because of the temptation of my flesh to take the credit away from God. I prayed and look what God did. He did it because I prayed. Really? It would be awesome to know everything that our prayers have accomplished. I expect to one day. But it's not going to be here and it's not going to be now. It's going to be there. One day I will know the impact of every one of my prayers. But I can't afford spiritually to know it all here and now. So what does that mean I have to do? I have to be willing to pray in faith and trust God that he is working because he said he would. Knowing that for my own good he doesn't tell me everything that's happening. But I have to trust him. Because I love him. And I want to be a part of what he's doing. And I want to be a part of him. I want, I, I want to be a part of his life. Some of you have heard this story. But I was a young pastor trying to start a church. We didn't have, we didn't have very much resources and people. And I'm driving myself crazy trying to get it done. And I'm, I'm riding down the road and I'm telling all God all this stuff he needs to fix and do and all that. And we pull up to a red light and I'm frustrated. I hate red lights. I hated red lights, stop signs, yield signs, didn't matter. Anything that slowed me up. I got someplace I gotta go. I need to go now. And this is in my way. If I could get a little clicker, that would change every light to green before I got there. I'd pay everything I could afford for one of those. If I could get a a bow on the front of my car like a ship that would just move the cars out of the way. Coming through. And so... I'm just frustrated and, and I pull up to this red light and I'm just, just talking to God, telling him all he's needed to do. And then he just, this sweet voice says to me, son, am I a part of your life, your plans? I thought that's the most ridiculous thing God had ever said to me. I literally laughed out loud and said, God, with laughter in my voice, I'm sorry, it's true. It was that ridiculous to me. What do you think I'm doing running around all over this city saying all this stuff if you're not a part of my plans? So I said, Lord, you know you're a part of my plans. Before I knew what hit me, he said, son, don't you think it would be better if you were a part of my plans? 
Well, I'm not laughing now. And before I could process that, he said, Son, am I a part of your life? And I said, uh, Well, yeah, yes, Lord, you're a part of my life. He said, Don't you think it would be better if you were a part of my life? So that's what we're talking about with prayer. Prayer is not for the purpose of having God fix everything you don't like going on in your life. No, 10,000 times no. That's what not prayer, prayer's not about. Prayer, prayer's for the purpose of letting God pray through you to address spiritual situations that are keeping people from being saved so that souls can be saved and know Jesus. You may very well have never heard of this city. It's in New York State. The name of it is Rochester, New York. One thing it's famous for, it was, it's the home of Kodak, who's one of the pioneers of film and cameras. But Reader's Digest, little magazine for recreational leading, did a survey about 20 years ago. They wanted to determine by survey what the friendliest city in America was. And the survey came up, Rochester, New York, and the editors of Reader Digest were just shocked by that. I mean, in our culture at home, uh, you people tend to think that Southerners are friendly. And New Yorkers are not considered friendly people in people's opinion. But the survey said Rochester, New York was the friendliest city in America. So 10 years later, Reader's Digest again thought, let's find out what the friendliest city in America is. And were they ever more shocked when the survey came back? It was still Rochester, New York. So they sent some reporters up there. To investigate why not Rochester would be the friendliest city in America. And it was determined by old timers that in the 1800s, an evangelist named Charles Finney, who learned how to do what's called prevailing prayer, where you pray until things changed. He had a prayer partner that worked with him. The man's name was Father Nash. And whenever God would direct Charles Finney to a city where he was going to focus on his all of his revival efforts, he would send Char Father Nash into that city to get a hotel room uh, it, well in advance of, Brother, uh, of Charles Finney's arrival. And the man would pray day and night, day and night for weeks and months. And as soon as Charles Finney could join him, he would get there. They didn't put up billboards. They didn't rent auditoriums. They didn't pass out flyers. They just prayed. 
And they prayed. And they prayed until the spirit of conviction and repentance fell upon that city. Till people would fall down on the street in public and begin to weep and pray and ask God to forgive them. The spirit of conviction of sin came upon that city so strong. It shut the bars down in that city. It shut the dance halls down and the theaters. And the the jails became so empty that the police department had to start laying off people because they didn't need them because there was no crime taking place and there was nobody in jail because their prayer completely subdued the spirit of that city. And the Bible is full and other places are in history are full of the effects of prayer. In the late 1800s in Wales, there were two young men, Bible school students, who were challenged by a missionary speaking to their Bible school that God had yet to see what he could do through people who would completely dedicate themselves to prayer. These two young men, one of whose name was Evan Roberts, decided that they would pray and pray they did and they began to pray night and day and night and day and after a while some of the other students heard about it they asked if they could join so the group grew then people that were not students heard about it and wanted to know if they could come and join and eventually the group got so big they asked the pastor of their church can we use the church for prayer and they were praying day and night and day and night and the and and the and the church got so full of people praying all night long that people would couldn't even get inside the building so they prayed on the grounds all night long and then eventually other prayer meetings and other churches started in Wales until there was a tremendous revival in Wales without one sermon being preached because prayer changed the nation one of my favorite stories is of that a part of that revival It was a valley in Wales named the Green Valley. And one particular night, in the middle of the night, people would wake up, come under conviction of sin, laying in their bed, crawl out of bed, get down on the floor, begin to cry and pray and repent before God. And after they were through, they would get back in the bed. And that happened all up and down that valley that night. And when daylight came and people began to share with others their experience, come to find out every person in that valley had had the same experience that same night where they all, one by one, got up in the night and prayed And repented before God. Prayer is more powerful than anything else. If he can just find somebody to pray. If he could just somebody find somebody to pray. I ignored for years one of the key weapons of spiritual warfare. For me, please, Ephesians 6 and 10 on the screen. I'm going to read down quickly through that if you don't mind. Ephesians 6 and 10. 
Finally, my brother, <laughs> be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Okay. <laughs> who's, who's doing it? Okay, thank you. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fire darts of the wicked. And take the helmet of salvation. Now, everything up to this point is a defensive weapon. It's all a part of the defensive armor. And here's the first offensive weapon. And the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And I stopped there. I don't know why I stopped there, but I stopped there. But that's not the only offensive weapon. Next verse. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Now, I want you to hear just a couple of other verses, translations of that verse. Listen to this. The Amplified Version. That's not it. The uh, the contemporary English versions reads this way. Never stop praying, especially for others. Always pray by the power of the Spirit. The New International Reader's Version reads this way. At all times, pray by the power of the Spirit. Pray all kinds of prayers. So let's go back to the previous verse, please. 17. Take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Offensive weapon number one. Next. Praying always with all prayer, all kinds of prayer, and supplication in the Spirit, watching thereunto with all perseverance supplication for all saints. Prayer. The word of God, the rhema of God, is the sword of the spirit. You know something? At the Naval Academy, when I was a student and training to be a naval officer, I had to wear a sword. And they didn't actually teach us how to use the sword because swords are more ceremonial now. But, you know, we had to know how to take it out and carry it and put it back and all that kind of stuff, right? But I know one thing. They did have a, a varsity sport called fencing. And you could watch that. These guys would fence with these swords, different types of swords, whatever. Nobody ever won with one thrust. <laughs> these guys were good. You couldn't win with one thrust of a sword. Some of us want to speak Rama one time and think we've won with one thrust of our spiritual sword. Uh, 
First Timothy 1.18, Paul said to Timothy, By the prophecies which went before on you, make war. A prophecy is a rhema. Rhema, word from God, and prophecy are essentially the same thing. Prophecy, promise, rhema are essentially synonyms. So he told Timothy to make war with the words of God that he received. Now I got a question. (laughs) Why would God have to tell us in advance what he was going to do if it was going to be obvious and easy? Why? I'm not trying to be disrespectful or sacrilegious at all. But if the Lord says the sun's going to come up in the morning, I'm going to go, duh. (laughs) Yeah, the sun's coming up in the morning. Thank you for that. You understand the point I'm making here? When God gives you a promise... It's because everything but that promise coming to pass is going to happen. When God gives you a promise, it's because that's the last thing it looks like it's going to happen. When God gives you a promise, I can just about guarantee what the promise is about is about to get worse than it was. And we let circumstances talk us out of using the promise when the whole purpose of receiving a promise is to use it as a weapon against what our eyes see. What our ears hear. Why? Because that's what a promise is for. It's for warfare. But so many people, God says, I'm going to do this. Well, that's nice. Now I could just fold my arms and sit back and watch what God's going to do. Are you kidding? That's what he gave you a promise for? So you could check out and go on vacation till he does it? When God trusts you with a promise, you now become accountable. For using that promise as a sword of the Spirit faithfully. Hey. <laughs> the angel said to Mary, You're gonna you're you're not gonna know a man, but you're gonna conceive. And that child that's born of you. It's going to be the Messiah. And she says, how can this be? And the angel of the Lord said to Mary, the King James says it this way, for with God, nothing shall be impossible. But the Greek is very different than that. The Greek is, for with God, no rhema shall be void of power to come to pass. The Greek word for impossible is completely different in other verses. But in that verse, it's not the Greek word for impossible. It's no rhema from God shall be void of power to come to pass. 
When you're given a rhema, you know what the scripture says? You and I are going to be held in ac- accountable for every idle word. The word in the Greek there is rhema. And the word idle means unoccupied or unutilized. And you and I are going to be held accountable for every rhema we've received that we don't utilize. When God gives us a promise and we don't use it, we're going to answer to God for it. Because again, again, in the plan of God, He has limited Himself to only do in the earth what He can find men to do it through. The Bible is full of that. We don't want to believe it because then that, that means we can't just live our lives and do whatever we want and it all be okay because we want God to do everything for us so that we can just have fun. Wrong. That's wrong. God wants to use us. He needs to use. Again, Ezekiel 20, Ezekiel 22, 30 haunts me. Again, please put it on the screen. He said, I sought for a man among them. Uh, amen. Not a whole company of men. If, uh, if he could just find a man, just one person. And I don't believe man here means male, a human being. If he could just, if, if he could have just found one person, he didn't say how old they had to be. He didn't say whether they had to be male or female. He sought for a man among them that was, would be willing to stand in the gap and make up the hedge before him for the land so that he wouldn't have to destroy it. But he couldn't find one. So his deity and his word demanded that he be faithful to who he was because God cannot lie and he cannot violate his own word because he would cease to be God. And since he couldn't find somebody to pray, he poured out judgment. Now everything in our intellect wants to reject that whole idea. Everything in our intellect wants to reject that idea. The problem is, it's right here. And this isn't the only place. In fact, the Lord said, I sought among them for an intercessor and couldn't find one. So God himself is, God so couldn't do it except through man. When he couldn't find a man, He became a man. That's how limited God has, how much God has limited himself to work through humans. That when he couldn't find the man to do it through, the only way he could fulfill his own word was to become a man. And in becoming a man, he demonstrated to us just how bound he is 
to work through humans. The fact that the God of glory himself became a man to to demonstrate the importance of having people to cooperate and participate with him is that you and I no longer have excuse We're on the other side of Calvary. We're on the other side of the day of Pentecost. God's already demonstrated it. He became a man. He had his own flesh, his own body die for us. We we can't deny that he's already demonstrated the importance of having a man to work through when God himself demonstrated that by becoming a man. So how do we sit here having been recipients of the blood of Jesus, been washed by his name, filled with his spirit, speak in other tongues, and deny the importance of our participation with him. How can we do that? Because to deny that, you have to deny everything that God has done for you. Because everything that was done for you was provided for you because God became a man so he could fulfill his own word and not violate his own limitations for here and now. Let's talk to him right now. Can we do that? Come on. Come on. Prayer's not limited by education. Prayer's not limited by lack of resources. Prayer's not limited by whatever facility you're using. Prayer's not limited by whether you're old or young. Prayer's not limited by whether or not you're male or female. Prayer's not limited by whether you're single or, or married. Prayer is unlimited. If you would just free God to work by being His partner in prayer, it is unlimited. There's no government that can stop prayer. There's no law that can stop prayer. There's no power that can stop prayer. Prayer works. Prayer works because prayer is partnering with God so that He has a conduit through which to work in the earth. Prayer is not telling God what to do. Prayer is making yourself available for God to speak through you into the earth. My God. My God. My God. My God. My God. In the name of Jesus. 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 Hallelujah. 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 
We need to pray. And then we need to pray some more. And then we need to pray some more. And then we need to keep on praying. We need to pray without ceasing. We need to give the Holy Ghost unlimited access to work in us and through us so that He can fulfill His Word and give great revival in the earth. The promises of God will not come to pass without prayer. He is not going to fulfill His promises to a prayerless people. He is not going to fulfill His promises to a prayerless people. He is not going to fulfill His promises to a prayerless people. Hallelujah. 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 In the name of Jesus. 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 Hallelujah. 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 There is a spirit of prayer that's being imparted in this meeting right now. Receive it. There is a spirit of prayer that's being imparted in this meeting. Receive it in Jesus' name. Receive it in Jesus' name. My God. There is a spirit of prayer being imparted right now. Receive it. Receive it in Jesus' name. Receive it. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, we receive it, Jesus. We receive it, Jesus. Without you, we can do nothing. We receive the spirit of prayer, the spirit of grace to pray, to empower us to pray, to move us to pray, to give us the hunger and thirst to pray. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus. 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 Hallelujah. 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 Praise God. Praise God.
praise God. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. 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 I I know you all know about speaking in tongues, and some of you know truly about praying in tongues. But we we are far, far from truly utilizing prayer in the Spirit in the full manner in which the Lord is willing to use it for His kingdom's sake. Again, Romans eight twenty six says that we all have an infirmity, and the infirmity is we don't know how to pray for as we ought. So the Spirit itself empowers us to put into words that our mind doesn't understand that prays for those things we're feeling in our spirit. How does that work? How about put for me on the screen John chapter 7. I want to read the first couple of verses, 37, 38. In the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. Now listen carefully. He that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of, not into, out of his, King James says, out of his belly shall flow rivers, plural, of living water. Now, the word translated belly in the King James is the Greek word that literally means 
or it, that means emptiness or literally cavity, but it's also translated in many uh, translations as inner man or innermost being. But the innermost part of us is an empty cavity that is only able to be filled by an, in, 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 in an infinite God. Because it's not a finite cavity in us. When you were created in your mother's womb, only the humanity, the flesh, was created. This womb we're now living in, this 70 years or so, is the second womb to finish the creation of us for eternal life. And it's all of the inside stuff that needs to be completed in its creation to fully prepare us to participate in eternal life. And there is an infinite emptiness we are created that was left uncreated when we were born naturally. And it is in this life that we're supposed to let the infinite God fill up that emptiness. And once he is resident in that emptiness, he begins to work to create and equip us with all of the wisdom and knowledge and character and, and, and spirituality and relationship with him, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, that we're going to need to use for all of eternity. Now, Jesus said, He that believes on me in the manner in which the scripture prescribes belief. A lot of people say they believe, but they don't believe like the Bible defines belief. He that believeth on me, as the scripture had said, out of his innermost being, out of his inner cavity, is... And here's what he didn't say. I'm going to fill up that inner emptiness to such a degree that what can't fit there will flow out of you. Not as a trickle, not as a stream, not even as a river, but as rivers of living water. Now that word flow is an amazing, amazing word. You heard me say already, use the Greek word rhema. R-H-E-M-A is the English equivalent letters of the Greek letters. Rhema. Rhema is the root word reo, R-H-E-O, which is to supernaturally speak or say. With the suffix M-A in, on the end of it. And the suffix on the end of a Greek word always means the result of. For instance, the gifts of the Spirit are charisma. Charis is grace. M-A is the result of. So the, the works of the, of the gifts of the Spirit working through us is grace at work. Through us. So rhema is the result of the living voice. 
It's not the speaking of the living voice. It's what the living voice has said to us. Therefore, it is a word from God. A rhema. Reo is the utterance of the living voice and is almost always used in the scripture as supernatural utterances of God. Now, the Greek word translated flow in John 7, 38 is spelled E-R-E-O and it's the strengthened form of R-H-E-O. So when he said... He that believeth on me as the scripture had said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. The flow is not water. It is a supernatural flow of words in a river quantity. But hear this part. He, singular, that believeth on me as the scripture had said, out of his Singular, belly shall flow rivers, plural, of living water. Which says that every individual can have multiple types of flow of spirit out of us. Whatever the need is, the spirit is able to flow out of us in a tongue and in an anointing to pray for that need. Now, first time I ever did this was in KK. And I don't ever do this without specific direction from God. But I'm going to demonstrate for you tonight. The Bible says... And I believe it is the most important tongue for a child of God. Is the tongue of rest and refreshing. Isaiah 28, 11 and 12 says, For with stammering lips and another tongue will he speak to this people. To whom he said, This is the rest wherewith you may cause the weary to rest. And this is the refreshing. Yet they would not hear. In other words, God has provided for you rest and refreshing, supernatural rest and refreshing, but people don't take advantage of it. They don't hear it. For me personally, I probably pray rest and refreshing tongues 50 to 70, on some days, 75% of the time. It is one flow of the Spirit and tongue that I do not focus on what's flowing out of me but allowing the Lord to put back into me what has come out in ministry, virtue, strength, etc. That's how a 70-year-old man can teach seven hours in a day and not be dead. I've had people say to me, how do you do that? I don't. The ministry is flow. He flows out by his spirit. That's flow. So there's no strain on me to minister. It's flow. And then after the ministry's over, I pray rest and refreshing, which is flow back in to replenish. And this is what it sounds like and feels like. And you need to learn to do this. He 
I could sit on an airplane and do this, and nobody around me knows I'm doing it. I can walk down a mall and do this, and nobody knows I'm praying. I can lay on my bed and do this, and my wife doesn't even know I'm doing it. I'm just resting and letting him refresh me. Why don't you try that a minute? It's not, there's no emotion in it. It's all just receiving. It's not flowing out. It's letting him flow in. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. How much can you do that? How much do you want to do it? There's no limitation on it. Limitation is my, my willingness. And if you want to go in your own strength, oh, but Brother Wright, I'm so tired. I know. He doesn't want you to be tired. So he wants to put back what flows out of you in his will. He wants to put it back. There's no such thing as getting burned out. There's no such thing as getting so tired. You don't feel like doing anything. I don't feel like praying. I don't feel like studying. I don't feel like doing anything because I'm tired. Well, if you pray rest and refreshing tongues, you don't have to get like that. If it's physical fatigue, a good night's sleep will fix that. If you have a if you try to have a good night's sleep and you can't sleep, and when you get up, you're at least as tired, if not tireder, in the morning, your problem's not physical, it's spiritual and emotional. And you need to let the Lord put it back. One very uh, non-professional definition of depression is when someone is emotionally tired. There is no reason for a Christian to ever get emotionally retired. Because with stammering lips to another tongue will he speak to this people to whom he said, This is the rest wherewith you may cause the weary to rest. This is the refreshing. Hallelujah. There are many different flows, and I can't demonstrate them all tonight. There's, according to 1 Corinthians 14, there's a flow of thanksgiving. And, I, you know, you could do that one. That one's pretty common. And then there is the, the, the flow of tongues of praise, which every child of God that receives the Holy Ghost experiences because it's the first flow we ever experience. It's the pray, the flow of praise. Everybody that's ever spoken in tongues has spoken in tongues in the flow of praise. I don't consciously change the language as I'm speaking. I don't, and sometimes I'm surprised when they change. But I have noticed when the flow changes, most of the time the language changes. I don't know what language it is. But it changes. Now, 
Praise God. Come help me, brother. Come here. Come here. Okay. Now, here's my brother. You're from Indonesia. Okay. I don't know his name. I don't know anything about him. But the Lord wants me to pray for him. And so it's really simple. I'm going to minister to his specific need right now. But his need's his business. It's not mine. So the Lord can pray for his need without... Maybe it would be embarrassing to him if, he, if I knew what his need was. I don't need to know what his need is. Because the Lord can pray for it. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. He doesn't even speak my language. I don't speak his. But the Lord doesn't need that, does he? But even if I knew him, even if we were best friends, maybe we were related, I don't know his heart. If you're married and you think you know your wife, you're deceived. That's the truth. Ain't a man alive that understands his wife. That's why we can stay married to one woman for 50 years. There's no reason to get bored because you're never going to figure her out. Thank God I don't have to understand her to pray for her. I just let the Spirit pray. Hopefully she'll tell him what's wrong because she ain't telling me what's wrong. So whether it's my closest person in the world or somebody I don't know, I can let the Spirit of God minister through me to them. And you can too. Thank you. Praise God. Brother, I don't know your name. Why don't you come here? Yeah. I watched you Sunday. There's some really deep hunger here. There's a lot of reasons why you're you're not too sure that you're good enough for God. A lot of things you're not sure of that God is able to get past to use. But I'm going to pray for you through the flow of impartation. 
And God's going to put some new things in you. And if you allow him to develop those things in you, you're not going to have to look at somebody else and try to copy them and try to be like them. God's going to make you who you are in him because you want it really bad. You just don't have confidence in who you are in God and don't have confidence that God's got a plan for you. Well, I assure you, God's got a plan for you. Okay? I knew you were going to be the one I was going to pray this impartation prayer to. Now, what's going to happen for him now is I'm praying this prayer of impartation, which means as I am praying for him in tongues, there's actually going to be a transference of things in the spirit through me as a conduit to him. I'm not giving them. I'm only the conduit for them to be given. But it is a different prayer. And you can see it. And when when it's taking place, when I'm touching him and praying that, I can actually feel it go through me. You know what I'm talking about, right? You can actually feel that. Well, let me tell you what. You get tuned in and you very well may be able to sense it too. Hallelujah. Now, the problem, you know, people have different giftings. Some people are great singers. and Some people are great worship leaders and all that. My number one gifting is God has given me a sensitivity to discern the hand of God on an individual. And when he shows me somebody his hands on, It's almost always for the purpose of helping that person believe that because they're doubting it. So not only am I telling you in front of all these people, the hand of God is on your life. All that stuff the devil's trying to use to keep you from believing God can and will use you is all under the blood. God doesn't even remember it. You and the devil may remember it, but God doesn't remember it. And it's not going to hinder God from using you. So this prayer, the fact I'm praying for you, is confirmation to you that the hand of God's on your life. Because he pointed me out to you, for you, me to pray for you. But the impartation, I I can't tell you. He hasn't told me. If he does, I will. But I can't tell you what he's going to impart. But you and him will figure that out if you'll trust him with it. But you will feel the impartation. Raise your hands. In the name of Jesus. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, 
Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. 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 Come on, let's give the Lord thanks. Let's give the Lord thanks. This is the last half of the set of notes that I offered last night. I covered the main points of the first half last night. and This is basically the end of this. So Pastor Lee will have a PDF version of this. You can contact him and he will give it to you. Obviously, somebody will have to translate it into other languages. Praise God. There are, again, many different flows the spirit of the lord will shift on you if you're in prayer you may or may not know what that flow is at that particular time especially if you're praying by yourself but there are two very critical flows to what god is doing in the end time both of them are intercession prayers One of them is warfare. The other is travail. They are not the same. They are not for the same purpose. They are equally important if you're ever going to see revival harvest results. One sets people free so that they can be saved. The other births them. Because Zion has to travail for babes to be born. Not exclusively, but for the most part, most warfare intercession is prayed by males. One of the most powerful warfare intercessors I know is Joel, my youngest son's wife. She prays warfare intercession and I have felt it rock literally rock the world in the room that she's in when she prays that it is amazing uh if they ever come back here again maybe the lord will use her for singapore to be able to see that experience that so it's not just males but men do understand warring more than women travail (laughs) there are men who travail And I will pray travail prayer tonight, but it's the hardest flow for me, period, because it's not my normal flow. I have travailed. I'm sure I will travail again in the future, but it is not my normal flow of intercession. My normal flow of intercession is warfare. Both of these are necessary. The real difficult thing for us in this is we will let the Lord give us his words to speak in tongues. But most of us are not willing to trust him to let his feelings be prayed through as well as his words. You cannot pray intercessory prayer, warfare, or travail if you quench the spirit and you will not let the the Lord's feelings in the prayer pray as well as his words 
the adversary will be happy to tell you you're making all of that up. And if you believe him, you will stop. But my point is this. If I was really making it up, wouldn't you want to leave me alone and let me deceive myself? If you're taking the time to tell me I'm making it up, I must not be making it up because you wouldn't be telling me I was making it up if I was. So the very fact you're trying to get me to stop by telling me I'm making it up proves that I'm not because you're trying to find some way to make me feel embarrassed so that I will put me ahead of the, the need and the kingdom and won't do it. Now, here's the problem. Warfare intercession, you actually sound like you're angry. It's warfare. Most people don't fight in a battle with a smile on their face. It's warfare. And travail is self-explanatory. And every lady in this room that has had a baby, I don't have to explain to you what travail sounds like and feels like. And if you're male or female, if you pray travail intercession, your abdomen will feel like you've been in labor. The Bible says, as soon as Zion travails, babes are born. There is no birth without travail. So warfare is necessary and travail is necessary. Praise God. Now, this is what's going to happen. I'm going to begin to pray warfare intercession. It's not going to be but a few moments before that spirit of warfare comes in this room And we're going to war a while. We will not go to travail until the Spirit lifts off that. I will not be stopping you from praying. We will pray however long that takes. Whether it's two minutes, 20 minutes, that's God's problem. Some of you aren't going to feel comfortable doing that. Have a nice nap. I was trying to be funny. (laughs) The reason is, if you can sleep through this thunderous roar that's about to happen, you really are tired. (laughs) A few of you that's had droopy eyes, you're about to be wide awake. Oh, praise God. Hallelujah. 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 Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. <laughs>
Iya ye kusiki tie kabahaya. Rubu kutiesa. Ikata ye kie tabahasa. Ye katasia. Rubu kusiki etaya. Ilo rubu kusaya. Ila rata ye. Ila rata kasiki ekataha. Ila rubu kusaya. Ila rubu kasaya. Ila rubu kasata tieka. Iye. Ikata saya. Romonea. Ramaye kosia. Ramaye kiekasa. Alarata baba kasata haya. We're doing. This isn't practicing. This is warring. War. War. Yes. Yes.
aqui. Now, listen to me. This, whenever you do warfare or travail intercession, you have got to follow it up with a season of rest and refreshing tongue to let him pull back. We're about to pray it travail, but we can't go directly to travail because you have prayed hard. So let's, let's do some rest and refreshing prayer to let the Lord put it back. Just, just very quiet. Just let it flow. Just experience. Let him, let him let you experience what rest and refreshing really does. You've given out all this energy. The Spirit of God used so much energy. You cannot pray rest and refreshing tongues with your mouth closed. You've got to speak in tongues. You're just doing it calmly, quietly, and just letting the Lord put it back. Come on, that's good. Let him put it back. Okay, you can be seated. As I've already said, travail intercession is extremely important for the pur- purpose of birth. Warfare defeats the adversary it sets the captives free it is fighting for the purpose of delivering lost from the bondage uh, to the power of darkness it does not birth them
The scripture talks about Israel was in a situation where the Lord said he brought to the birth, but Israel didn't have the strength to bring forth. It was time for the baby to be born. Israel had carried her to full term. But when she got, when Israel got to the place that it was time for her to go into travail and birth the baby, she did not have the strength to survive travail. And the baby wasn't born. I'm sure we all are aware of the fact that if a mother is expecting a child and it's time for that baby to be born and she doesn't have the strength to do that unless the doctors unnaturally get involved by taking the baby by surgery out of her abdomen, she and the baby will die. Because when it's time for that child to be born and the mother can't bring forth what is meant for good and to be a blessing becomes a curse. Because rather than new life being born, that unborn new life when it's past time becomes a curse and brings death to the baby and the mother. So there has to be supernatural strength involved in the birthing. And here's what's about to happen. In a couple of moments, I will begin to pray travail prayer. You will immediately hear the difference. You will feel the difference. All of you will pray. All those of you that will will pray. But not, not as many are going to go into travail. But those that do need to travail and those around you or will pray with you. But when that starts, I'm laying this mic down and I won't pick it up again till in the morning at 10 o'clock. Because I don't know how long the Lord is going to pray through you if you let him. I didn't stop this last prayer. Could you feel it kind of lifting? It kind of began to lift. And, and then it was, I knew that it was, a, it was time to go to the next thing because you prayed. You, I don't know if you're aware of this, but you, you prayed warfare intercession nonstop for almost 20 minutes. Almost 20 minutes. I looked. There's a, there's a clock right there. And just before I started, I noted what time it was. And just about the time it started to lift, I looked again, and it had been almost 20 minutes with no one in the microphone, for the most part, encouraging, pressing. You just prayed. That's what the Lord did. That's the spirit that came in this room. And again, we are more comfortable fighting than we are birthing. But if we want to see people saved, there has to be a spirit, a ministry of travail intercession that comes to our churches. 
There has to be people that don't, you know, it's not that, it's not as difficult to get people to yield to warfare intercession. As strenuous as that sounds, uh, but it's more difficult for people to yield to travail intercession. Praise God. So we're going to do that. And again, when this starts, I'm going to set the mic down. And we're going to pray until you're done. And then we'll be done. Don't let the fact that, okay, well, if I quit praying, we can quit. You're going to miss God if you do that. Don't quit till he's done. You'll feel that. You'll feel it begin to lift. I do not artificially create intensity in my prayer when I'm praying. I refuse to be under the pressure to act like I'm being intense when I'm not. So when I'm praying very intense prayer and it begins to wane, I don't artificially try to keep it going like that. I'm not trying to manipulate and control God. I'm trying to let him manipulate and control me. That's totally different. Praise God. Praise God. (laughs) Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. 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 Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. 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 Jesus. the spirit of travail has not come upon you just pray in the spirit and let this Lord minister through you to be strength to those that are praying travail yes yes Yes. 
Remember, as you're finishing praying travail, you've got to go into rest and refreshing tongues. You never stop praying either warfare or travail until you let the Lord put back in rest and refreshing tongues. Come on. You've got to take time to do that. You know, the devil, if you only pray travail and warfare until it wears you out, then the devil will try to come against you and say, I don't want to do that again. You don't want to do that again. Look how just exhausted you are. But you let the Lord put that virtue back, and He that'll close the door so he can't, he can't lie to you like that. Because you, you won't leave here exhausted. You won't leave here mentally and emotionally and spiritually, physically exhausted because the Lord will put the energy back. Come on, let's do a little bit more. Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Let's stand to our feet. Amen. Just, just thank the Lord for a moment right now. Father, we just thank you for what we learned. Come on, just pray in refreshing tongues. Come on, just leave your voice. Just pray in refreshing tongues. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you.